So last week we took a deeper dive into Peter's sermon. The sermon at the end of Acts chapter 2, right after we hear the Pentecost story of the Holy Spirit coming down. And this is the sermon that we hear led 3,000 people to turn their lives over to Christ. And the sermon was very basic, very simple by all estimations. It was, Jesus is the new king. He's doing a new thing. And if you want to be a part of it, repent and be redeemed. And so we hear at the end of the chapter that they began to turn their lives over to Jesus. That they began to be baptized. And then in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, we hear that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as they had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So what we hear in this text is that once upon a time, at one moment in history, the church was irresistible. And the way in which it did this had nothing to do with what the world says that we need for church growth. It wasn't that they had big screens or smoke machines, that they had bigger buildings or budgets, that they had the best production, or even that they had a worship team. But what we hear in verse 47 is that the Lord added to their number day by day. And once upon a time, the church was irresistible by being the church. But as we know now and today, that is sadly not the case. The church has become anything but irresistible. It has actually become resistible. Actually, I was looking over some stats and data shows that pre-pandemic, which would lead me to believe that probably these numbers have gotten worse over time. But in 2019, a study done by Pew Research said that over the last decade, there has been a 12% drop in people who affiliate with Christ and the church. And that there has been a 10% increase in the nuns, not the N-U-N-S nuns, but those that define themselves as having no real faith or belief system. So what we hear is 12% drop in people that are coming to church and affiliating with Jesus Christ, but a 10% increase in people that go, I got nothing. 
for God or beliefs. And when we hear that, we, we couple that with the recent data that says that for the first time in the history of our nation, that Christianity is in the minority, and we go, well, we're definitely trending in the wrong direction. But how did we get here? How did we get to this point where we're in such a decline, where the church has become so resistible? as opposed to irresistible. I mean, did the message change? The message of the early church was God is for and loves all people. God, God longs to be with us and, and in relationship with, one, with us. God is willing to die for you, even if you were the only person on earth. And, and God is resurrecting and bringing about new life even now. I would dare say that this is the the same message that we should be proclaiming today. That 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 good news has not changed. Yet somehow, we have found ourselves shifting from irresistible to resistible. And I want to look at the church in Acts 2 so that we can possibly see where it is that we have strayed. In Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 43, actually, we hear about this deep sense of awe. This, it says that awe came upon everyone because of the many wonders and signs that were being done. When was the last time that you were filled with awe? For me, it was when Anna and I went to Ireland and we went to the Cliffs of Moher. And I'll be honest, I I went over there kind of ho-humly thinking that it wasn't going to be anything spectacular. And as we arrived and we went up to the side of the cliffs, I found myself taken back. I couldn't say anything. I was just amazed at the beauty of all that it was. So when was the last time in your life that you found yourself in awe? Now, maybe a better question is when was the last time in your life that you were filled with awe when it came to the church? When was the last time that you found yourself looking at the church and at Christianity as a whole and proclaiming, wow. And you found yourself speechless and breathless, not knowing what to say, just amazed and in awe for the right reasons. Because I would dare say, as we look at our current culture and our current world and our current church, we would say that many of us have found ourselves going, wow, I don't even know what to say. For all the wrong reasons when it comes to the church. But my desire 
for for the church, Big C Universal, is to be an all-full church. Not an all-full church, but an all-full church. A church full of all. To return to the church that we hear about in Acts chapter 2, And I think that in order to do so, we need to not only look at what they did and why they, but why they did it. We need to look at what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I love that in verse 42, we kind of hear this blueprint. But the first thing I want you to look at is the first three words of verse 42. They devoted themselves. And what you hear there is that they chose community over individualism. They were united around this idea. And this idea was that they were devoted to the apostles' teachings and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. That they were devoted to growing together and sharing meals, to communion and prayer, to caring for the needs of one another as we hear later. And to the study of Scripture. They were devoted to one another and to God. They were devoted to being the church. But like I said, we can't just ask, what they did, but why did they do what they did? And they did it because Jesus had done something in their hearts. And that led them to understand and to choose community over individualism. So perhaps... If we desire to be a Christian community, what we must first do is abandon individualism for sacrificial love for one another. We must choose we over me. We must choose us over I. We must choose to be the embodiment of John 13.35 where it says, By this they will know that we are disciples if you love one another. Notice, The qualification to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is love of one another and love of God. Not if you agree on all doctrines, not if you look the same, vote the same, act the same. And what this points us to is a a truth that I think we all need to hear in our current world, which is unity does not equal uniformity. We don't all have to look the same, act the same, vote the same, Think the same. To be united. But we must love God and love neighbor. Because they will know that we are disciples. They will know we are Christians by our love. And in Matthew 22, Jesus understands this because when he's asked what is the greatest commandment, he doesn't even quote necessarily one of the ten because he says, You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. He's he's pointing us to this truth that the greatest evidence of our love of God is our love for one another. 
I mean, this is why when he says that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he goes, and the second is a lot like it because you must love your neighbor. And so the greatest evidence for our love of God is how we treat neighbor. So just a couple of questions for you to think about. When it comes to your relationship with the church, do you choose community over individualism? And maybe I need to ask it this way. Is your first question when it comes to church, what am I going to get or is it what am I going to give? Because the, you see, for some reason in our world, our idea of church, we have become such consumers of faith that we go, how is this going to benefit me? I'm going to go there because they have this, this, and this that will help me. They have childcare. They have uh, a youth ministry. They have a lights. They have a worship team. It, it's very. I, I enjoy this or that. But when was the last time that you went to whatever church and said, "What can I give?" Because these are the questions. This is the shift that we need to have in order to shift to be like the church next to. We must be committed to one another more than self. We, we live in a world where persons are leaving the church. We've discussed the data. We've looked at the facts and figures. But I'm a firm believer that no one has ever left a church or the church because of Jesus Christ. But they, they choose to leave because of those who proclaim and claim to represent Jesus, but refuse to love. It's that idea that Gandhi always proclaimed, I love your Christ, but I cannot stand your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And so I don't think that they leave because of Jesus Christ or the message, but I think that they leave because of people that claim to follow the message, but don't live it out. And you see, one of the greatest deceptions that the devil ever pulled off is he goes, you know what, I know that God is irresistible. And if I can't get you to hate God, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get you to hate one another. I'm going to get division and separation amongst you. And the reason that he does this is because if God's people are divided, then we don't make any sense. As we proclaim the good news of love and community and unity, but we present ourselves and everything is saying that, we have, that we're full of hate, disunity, and separation, what sense does that make? But when we come together in community, we make the invisible God visible to the world. When we choose love, we make the invisible God visible to the world. The church of Acts 2 gets it. They, they choose to stand with Jesus and with one another. Not because they had to, but because they wanted to. Not because of convenience, because it may not have always been convenient to stand next to somebody that you didn't agree with, but they did it out of conviction. And if we're going to mirror the heart of Jesus to the world, we can only do it through community and love. But the church of Acts didn't just believe the good news, they became good news people. 
They believed and they lived it out. It's not all that powerful if you just simply proclaim, if you just simply say, God loves all people. But when you go and embody it, and you choose to love, that's powerful. It's not all that powerful to just simply say, hey, God's against injustice, but when we choose to fight for the oppressed and to speak for the vi- uh, and with, with and for the voiceless and to break the chains of bondage, that's powerful. And I would dare say the church is not awful, meaning full of all, but awful, terrible, when we proclaim to believe the good news, but live a life that is incompatible with that which Jesus teaches and preaches. When we celebrate God's love for all people on Sunday, but on Monday we go out and we hate our neighbor, and we hate those that are different, and we hate the other. When we celebrate God's forgiveness on Sunday, but we harbor bitterness and resentment for someone on Monday, or even that same day, to celebrate God's justice, but then we turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to the injustices in our world. This is when the church is truly awful, not full of all. This is a shift that must take place from declaring, I believe the good news, to being good news people. To, I mean, we live, just turn on the TV or get on the internet, we live in a bad news world that needs good news people. And you may find yourself proclaiming, oh, well, this must have been easier in their day and time. But this would have been a unique community even in the Roman world in which they found themselves. A world marked by chaos, greed, pride, hierarchy of haves and have-nots, sexism, racism, all types of isms. Sound familiar? This is the world that the church was born into. But they decided to be the church and to be good news people in a bad news world. When the world promoted greed, pride, hierarchy, violence, and oppression, the church was generous, humble, inclusive to all, providing freedom and restoration and and resurrection. This is the irresistible church. The church that decided to be a new way and to do a new thing. To be community empowered by a new king. And it infuriated the Roman emperors. If you don't believe me, just hear this quote from Julian the Apostate who ruled from 361 to 363. He said, I hate Christians. Why? Because they support not just their own poor but ours as well. Julian the Apostate said, I hate Christians. Because they're too nice, they're kind and generous, even to those who aren't a part of them. And when was the last time anybody said that about the Big C Church? The the church of Acts 2 is hated, not because they excluded, but because they included. And so maybe we need to take a step back and look at what we're doing and why we're doing it. Ask the question, are we good news people? Or are we just an echo of the bad news in this world? Because I desire a day. That if the church is going to be hated, that it would be hated for being good news people. That we would become so awful, full of awe, in unity and love and grace and hope and mercy and joy. 
that we would be irresistible. 47 times in the New Testament, we are told to one another, one another. Love one another. Forgive one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Give to one another. Have mercy for one another. 47 times this shows up, which tells me that it must be a primary responsibility for the Big C Church. So let's not become some spiritualized version of an individualistic world and society that says it's all about me and I'm not worried about anyone else. But let's one another one another because we choose community and we choose to love and we choose to embrace our neighbor. Let's not just believe the good news, but be good news people in a bad news world. When we become an all full, a full of all people, unified body, this is when we become the church and when we can become irresistible. And that's the church. That's the church that I want to be a part of. That's the church of Acts chapter 2. That is irresistible and all full in unity. Amen and amen.